The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Candace DeLong is a former FBI criminal profiler and one of three handpicked FBI agents in 1995 to mastermind the manhunt for the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, among a bunch of cases that she was in charge of. Now she is hosting a true crime program called The Deadly Type on Discovery+. Plus. And I've got Candace DeLong on the line right now. Candace, welcome. I'm a huge fan of your work both on and off the screen. Thank you, Jim. It kind of occurs to me that everybody is so obsessed with true crime stories. Why do you think that is? Is that both to find out how you find someone or the mind of a killer? I think the reason true crime is so popular, and a lot of people tell me this that watch the shows and Whatnot is is that what these people do, what these criminals do, is so out of the norm that it's fascinating and educational. I know that th- that's how, how I got into it. I wanted to learn. I was a psychiatric nurse before I became an FBI agent, right. and we would periodically someone admitted to the psych unit who had committed a murder. And a lot of the nurses were afraid of that patient. And I was drawn to work with them because I thought, I, wa- I wanted to know what made them tick. Why? Because I thought if I ever run into somebody like this in my personal life, I mean, outside of the psych unit, I want to know how to deal with them yeah. so that I don't get hurt. And so that's how it all started for me. And I think that's kind of the same. It's, I think true crime is popular because people can learn um, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that. And that's what this show about, uh, my show is about, uh, The Deadly Type. Right. It's how to spot what are the traits, what are the red flags um, that something bad is in is in the future and how to stop it, how to get out of it. Who are those people, though, who want to take the life of another person? Is that too broad of a question? Well, the average uh, crime, the average, average murder and the average person in prison serving time for a murder they committed is is a normal uh, person like you or me. You'd never know. Most killers are not serial killers. Most most people are uh, that commit a murder. If there was one particular person uh, in their their life that they wanted dead, uh, and they thought that the only only way to deal with it was was to kill them. But those are generally not. Uh, that, those are the kinds of murders you see all the time on on the various true crime, you know, Dateline, 48 Hours, 2020. Um, and my show, we just don't present the murder. We show the signs and the signs of uh, a particular type of person and what are the red flags that would tell you, uh-oh, this is really going in a bad direction. And if you know someone who's being victimized, how to help them get out of that situation. We always hear the word disenfranchised, that that guy was kind of felt like he was an outsider. Well, um, sometimes that is the case. Most of the people I've interviewed uh, uh, in, in both of my careers, a psychiatric nurse and an FBI agent and my third career uh, TV show, I've interviewed about 44, 45 people that committed murder. 
most of them were in prison at the time or eventually went to prison. For the most part, there there uh, were not outsiders. A lot of a lot of uh, the murders uh, are are spawned out of some kind of relationship, a love relationship that right. love goes bad. I you know I've interviewed <clears throat> pardon me a number of people that had horrible horrible, abusive, neglectful childhoods that by the time they emerged into adulthood, they were right on the edge of committing a murder. You were part of the team that was in on the manhunt for Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. In past interviews, you've always said that even the smart guys like Kaczynski had a fatal flaw. They like to brag. Yes, Ted Kaczynski would still be in his mountain cabin building bombs had he not committed that that fatal error. And that was he had gotten away with being a serial bomber for 16 years. And then he decided he wanted the world to know, wanted to read his manifesto. What was he about? He claimed to be a member of a group. What was he about? Why was he doing what he did? And it was 25,000 words. And uh, we had it. Uh, he sent. He also. We had it because the New York Times called us when he sent it to them. And uh, we thought, if this is published, hopefully millions of people will read it, and someone will recognize some of these turns of phrases or uh, unusual way of saying something, and maybe read it and go, "Oh my gosh, I think." My- I, I might know who said that. My my brother used to say that or something like that. And that's exactly what happened. And his brother, Dave, uh, read it and thought, oh, my gosh, I think my brother wrote this. And uh, he, he got an attorney, came to the FBI and helped us um, identify and locate his brother, Ted. That's amazing. It took what- about eight weeks from the first time he contacted us until April 3rd when we put the handcuffs on him. Do you think that social media makes it easier for agents working on cases today? Well, it certainly does. For example, um, the January 6th uh, is insurgency at the Capitol. Yeah. Tremendous of information pouring in from from people uh, that were able to assist the FBI with identifying uh, some of these people done through social media. Interesting thing about criminals, they love, uh, not all of them, some of them are smart enough to keep their mouth shut, but many of them aren't. Hey, look what I did. They want credit, and that's how they get caught. Candace, as we're recording this, uh, the guy who planted the pipe bombs, uh, speaking of the January 6th insurrection, who planted them in various neighborhoods, and they're still looking for him. Seems kind of impossible. There's video shots of him walking through the neighborhoods and and planting them. And do you think that there's a chance, or you know, as we're talking about the fact that people like to brag sometimes, that this could still break? I absolutely believe that person will be identified and apprehended. There is it's it's, and one of the things that tells me that is the extensive coverage. Uh, and people are t- are paying attention to it. 
phone calls are pouring into the FBI. Yes, I do believe. And, and when that happens in a case, it's generally not long before the person is apprehended. It's amazing. And and the one of the happier moments I've read about this in the past for you was rescuing a kidnapped nine-year-old. And uh, when you were working as part of a child abduction task force in San Francisco. That particular case started with a phone call at four in the morning on a Saturday from one of my squad mates saying, hey, there's a, a, a little boy has been taken by a convicted child molester and they're on the run. And we think they're going to be at the bus station at 9 a.m. And we were all there. Uh, he didn't show up. Bad guy didn't show up. Uh, we went over to the Amtrak uh, train station in Oakland. And the offender was, about, <clears throat> excuse me, about six foot five with copper red hair. So he was kind of easy to spot. And my, there were about, I think, five or six of us uh, were all looking around. And my back was turned when I started her hearing the yelling and the screaming and people running and guns were out. And, and I turn around and I look and here's this. All my colleagues are, uh, most of them, ma- all of them male agents, and they are surrounded. Uh, uh, they're surrounding this, this guy. And I, I, I run over to it and I see the little arm, little little kid's arm in the massive bodies. And I just reached in and, and pulled the boy out and he was trembling and crying. And, and the bad guy was being, uh, handcuffed by my colleagues. He, it was a good day. Eventually, uh, you know, I took the boy to the hospital. He was checked out. The offender had been having him smoke crack cocaine and, and do all these horrible things and pornography. And, and, uh, so we got the boy back home and, uh, he is 35 years old now. We have remained friends. Wow. Uh, talked to him. Yeah. And uh, it was the single most satisfying, fulfilling moment of my 20-year career, more so than than uh, the Ted Kaczynski case. It was um, it, FBI agents and cops, that's what we live for, is rescuing kidnap victims. And most of them... Uh, 50% of kidnapped victims are killed. So it's a big deal, and I'll never forget it. It's such great news, that case, and we're all looking forward to seeing Candace on The Deadly Type. It's on Discovery+. Plus. So nice to talk to you, and good luck with the show and everything in the future. Thank you so much. Just an amazing life that she has had, and I don't know if it took more courage to be a psychiatric nurse or an FBI profiler. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you back here next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.